I remember reading somewhere, I don't remember where, that the most well-known past uh, one single verse in all the Bible is Genesis 3.15, and that makes sense. But the second is John 3.16, and we just read it. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. I remember when I was young, um, growing up, and my dad would turn on Monday night football. I, I couldn't watch it for years because my mom would make me go to bed. It used to start a little bit late, but they would have that famous guy with the rainbow-colored hair. Now, the meaning of the rainbow has been completely hijacked, but that's another topic. But he would have the rainbow hair, and he always held the sign that only said John 3.16. He was at every World Series, every Super Bowl, and I never knew who he was, and then I saw a story on him years later that he gave up his life savings to travel to these games, not because he was a super fan, but to spread the message of John 3.16, what we just read. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, and part of that sending of his son was to die on the cross. You know, we always think of the God of the Old Testament as this ogre, and you kind of would think that hearing what Paschal and Alex just read, God got tired of the people complaining and sent the serpents, and they bit the people, so they're like, oh my. So we kind of have that sense that this Old Testament God was this ogre. No, because who sent the Son in the mercifulness of his heart to redeem us anyway was the God of the Old Testament. I just mentioned the very most popular passage of the gospel is Genesis 3.15. What is Genesis 3.15? The promise of a Savior and the gift of a mother. Way back in Genesis 3.15, in the very beginning, God promised that he would send the Savior. So we have the two most well-known verses in the entire Bible right here. Because in Genesis 3.15, we hear that God is not going to allow us to wallow in our sin. He's going to send a Savior, along with the gift of a mother. That's Genesis 3.15. Now we see it happen in John 3.16. For God said so loved the world that he did send his only begotten son. And so today we celebrate the exaltation of the cross or triumph of the cross. Now, what is this? All right. Now, first of all, let's talk about this graven image, right? Okay. I hear it all the time. I get letters almost every day that you Catholics, you, 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 you worship your graven image. First of all, we don't worship graven images. All right. We don't worship the wood. We worship who it represents. Jesus Christ. All right, now, it was not a graven image that the Jews put in the desert of the bronze serpent to worship. It was a graven image. You see, God does not prohibit graven images. Everybody criticizes the Catholic Church for this. 
God does not prohibit graven images or we wouldn't have read what we just read in the book of Numbers. God commanded that they carve an, a bronze serpent. The Ark of the Covenant, God commanded that they carve the cherubim and the cherub seraphim to sit on the Ark of the Covenant. God does not prohibit graven images. God prohibits them for the sake of worshiping them. We don't worship them. What we have in the image of divine mercy is an image, but we don't worship the paint or the canvas. We worship the God that is represented there. So Exodus 20, verse 4, God prohibits graven images for the purpose of worshiping them. All right. Exodus 25, 25, 18, God commanded Moses to make the statues, as I just said, in Numbers 21, 8, what Brother Alex just read, God commanded a bronze seraph to be made and looked upon to heal the people. We just read this, all right? Of all the graven images, God's commanding them. It's not for worship, though, all right? If they were prohibited, please take the pictures off your desk. Remove every picture from your home Remove every picture of your family from your desk. Sorry, they gotta go. If you are anti-Catholic and you are criticizing the Catholic Church for graven images, you must throw those away because those are graven images. But you don't worship them. At least we hope not. All right? Protestants, they have the nativity scene. What's the nativity scene? Go to any Protestant celebration, they'll have the little statues of the baby Jesus and the animals and even Mary. Those are graven images. Those are statues of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Do you think that's evil? Not even Protestants say that's evil. So the power is not in the serpent that we just read that they hung up on the cross. It was only a symbol to turn their thoughts to God. It's the same with the divine mercy image. We gaze upon the image to be healed. All right. So what does Jesus mean when he says the son of man must be lifted up? All right. Here's the thing. Jesus linked that expression. This is why the church is masterful. It took this reading and Jesus says, uh, he links the expression that I must be lifted up, the son of man, to Moses, who lifted up the bronze serpent in the first reading. So they're connected, all right? Why? To heal them from the bites. What is that bite? All right, the plague of death was the result of people being bit by sin. And this is our world trying to tell us today, there is no sin. There is no sin. You know, the four sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance, our culture tells us every single one of them is okay. One, abortion and murder. The murder of abortion. That's one of the sins that cries to heaven for vengeance. Our culture says it's okay. Two, sodomy. Our culture will convict you if you criticize that. And that's a sin that calls to heaven for vengeance. All right? You can go to even treating the widow and the orphan, not letting them be abandoned. We have abandoned. We don't even know our neighbors anymore. When I grew up, we used to have block events all the time. The neighbors were, I used to walk in my neighbor's house and eat from the refrigerator. We were family. Now we don't even know who our neighbors are. 
So we've forgotten the widow and the orphan and the worker, the fourth one, give the workers due wage. The workers now treated, there's no, there's, there's no loyalty from the worker to the company or the company to the worker. It's a commodity. It's a, it's a, it's a tool of, of use like in communist China. Those people don't have dignity. They're, they're labor. That's it. And so now Jesus says the serpent in, in, or uh, Moses raises the serpent up, right? And he's made of bronze. Now, why bronze? This is interesting. Again, I learned this in seminary. I want to share it with you. It was bronze because the metal associated with judgment in the Bible was bronze. The metal associated with judgment in the Bible was bronze because bronze was made with fire. And fire is the picture of judgment. See how deep this stuff is? And we don't know this. All right, so a serpent being wrapped around a pole. You ever see the blue cross, blue shield symbol? What is it? It's the cross with the serpent on it. So a serpent being wrapped around a pole is the ancient figure of healing and medicine. It's what you see in blue cross and blue shield. The serpent lays horizontally on a vertical pole. It's like a cross. If you've ever seen it, you have the vertical pole and the serpent is laying horizontal across it. For the Israelites, the only way to cure a snake bite was to look at the snake. Interesting, huh? And the only way to free us from the bite of sin is to look at Jesus on the cross. Period. This is the way that paid the penalty for our sin. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Oh, he loves us. True. Uh, to open the door to heaven. True. But why did Jesus die on the cross? The penalty for sin is death. When you sin or I sin, we deserve to die. When you sin or I sin, we have to die. Unless someone took our place. Right there. You can't get anything more important in your entire life. No education, no promotion, no house, no car, no nothing is more important than that. Nothing. No praise, no adoration, no nothing that you receive. No money, no riches, no power, no glory. Nothing is more important than that. Nothing. You know, if Jesus had refused the cross, there'd be no glory. We'd have no doors to heaven opened. There's no Easter Sunday without Good Friday and without the crucifixion. It's the same for us. We're going to go through that cross. I see some of the beautiful, lovely people here. I'm looking out. I know four of them, particularly, I know their personal crosses that they've gone through. We are all going to face our crosses. What we do and how we do it is what determines our fate. We can, if we want, choose the easy way. We can run away. We can lose the gift God gave us. Diary 153, we read it a couple days ago. Remember St. Faustina said, I saw two roads. One road was all 
glory, or not glory, but joy, and appeared to be happy, singing, dancing, just indulging, and at the end of the road, it fell off a cliff. <laughs> on the other road, St. Faustina saw people on their hands and knees, climbing through rocks and thistles and thorns, crying and suffering, and yet at the end of that road was a beautiful garden, a glorious paradise, very eye-opening. That road led to eternal life. You know, the Easter Vigil, if you remember the words of the Easter Vigil, it says, to ransom a slave, God gave his son. I love that. To ransom a slave, God gave his son. That's from the Easter Vigil. And I wrote this down from my own notes from seminary as my own instructor told us that and wrote out the words of the Easter Vigil. And I'm just sitting there going, we don't know this. And this is why I feel called to take you back to seminary every Saturday so that we can learn what our beautiful faith is. And it starts with this. You know, his death on the cross was both a, an offering. He was the one offering to God the Father, atonement for our sins, and he was the one being offered. This is why you've heard me say, what is the Mass? The Mass is better than any prayer we can make on our own because it's perfect prayer. Our prayer is blocked by sin, self-worth, and, and our own will. But the prayer of the Mass is perfect. Why? Because Jesus is the one being sacrificed and the one offering the sacrifice. Remember, the Mass is God offering God to God. God the Holy Spirit offering God the Son to God the Father in atonement for our sins and the sins of the whole world. That's why we're here. That's why I'm a Marian. That is why we have a mission. And you as Marian helpers partake in that. It's incredible. The Mass... The one offering sacrifice and the one being offering is right here. And what's that? That's an altar, Father. Yeah, that's also a cross. The altar is a table and a cross. A table for the feast, a cross for the sacrifice. I should reverse those. It's a cross first for the sacrifice, and then it's a table to eat the feast. Remember Scott Hahn teaches us? That in the Old Testament, the sacrifice lamb had to be eaten or the sacrifice was invalid. Now, we don't read bloody sacrifice Christ again. He's only been sacrificed once, but we participate in it at that altar. This is why it says God so loved the world. And not just the Jews or the good people, but us sinners. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. This is the mercy of God the Father in the Old Testament. He promised it in Genesis 3.15, as I said. Mercy is not just Jesus in the New Testament. It's God the Father in the Old Testament. It was God of the Old Testament who sent Jesus in the first place, as I said. So this feast we celebrate today... This is called the exaltation of the cross. It goes all the way back, believe it or not, to September 14th, 326. Only the Catholic Church has that kind of tradition. 
This feast goes back to September the 14th, 326, when St. Helen, who was she, the mother of Constantine, discovered the true cross. Constantine then built a church of the Holy Sepulchre over that site. Yes, Constantine did not invent Catholicism. I get those letters all the time. Constantine invented Catholicism. No, he didn't. He simply recognized it and let the people be Catholics. Hmm, lesson for our government today. Before him, the church had already existed, but it was in hiding. God wanted to bring it out, and he brought Constantine to do that. Christians were having Catholic masses long before the legalization of Christianity. They were underground in some ways. But 300 years before Constantine, listen to this, this is from my own seminary notes. Christians believed in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. This is way before Constantine. Christians honored Mary. Christians had elaborate ceremonies. Christians believed in purgatory and praying for the dead. Christians respected the church hierarchy, even though we don't respect some of the actions. Pray for those German bishops. Holy mackerel. Holy cow. Okay, sorry. I don't be using that term either. I always get bad letters on that. That's just an expression. Early Catholics baptized babies. Early Catholics recognized Peter as the rock. Early Christians or Catholics built the church upon him with successors and followed a rich tradition. This is strictly Catholic. Way before Constantine. So don't bother sending the letters that said Constantine invented Catholicism. He existed way before. That was the Christian church of the early days, and that is the Catholic church of today. And that's what we can't let be taken from us. To defend our faith. You know, the cross, this represents the passion, crucifixion, and resurrection all in one. Just like the sign of the cross invokes the entire trinity all in one in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen you know to exalt means to raise on high so let's do that today let's take this cross and raise it up on high just like the jews did in the desert to gaze upon it to be saved let us gaze upon this cross Exalt means to raise up high. Let us raise this cross up high, exalt it, and give through it, or get through it, salvation. Amen? Hallelujah. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. 
Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.